Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 5th, 2021, including... I spent a weekend playing copious amounts of Halo Infinite multiplayer during a test flight. Blizzard Entertainment's J. Allen Brack has abdicated as president following the ongoing Activision lawsuit, and more. Welcome to the first week of Xbox On in a world where many of us have finally had our hands on Halo Infinite. A world where Halo Infinite is no longer a concept, a dream, a thought, a tease, but rather a tangible, real, and fully imminent game. I'm your lucky bastard of a host, and I'm so incredibly grateful to have spent the weekend with my favorite franchise in a new outing which we haven't seen in nearly 6 years. So if you if you can't tell, that's the big that's the big one guys. That's the big one. Today's episode is going to be a little bit out of whack for two reasons. One, Halo Infinite had a test flight. That's the biggest fucking news in Xbox. Like we're going to talk about that first and foremost, then we can get into the rest of the show, but we're going to go all in on Halo Infinite talking about the the test flight and everything about it, going over my thoughts and everything like that and just sharing information regarding that. After that, we will continue with the regular run of podcasts with comments and news and everything like that. Spoiler warning, it's a pretty fucking slow news week, so there's not going to be too much to go through. And yes, I kept checking the news repeatedly over the past few days saying, really, that's it? But yeah, man, if if you didn't know any better, you'd think maybe it's like just post E3 or something because, man, it's uh, slim pickings for the news. But that's not a bad thing because Halo Infinite. So without further ado, let's just jump right into... The test flight, thoughts, opinions, my kind of takeaway after a full weekend playing the latest and greatest from Team 343 from the people behind our beloved franchise, Halo. So by now, I assume everyone here is familiar with how things went down. Last week, we got a random surprise announcement that the first test flight, which is basically means like beta testing, although... 343 was very clear to say this isn't a beta because this is a much earlier build than a beta, whatever. The first opportunity for the public to play Halo Infinite would be taking place last weekend from Thursday night through, through I guess, early Monday. But, you know, running on Pacific, Pacific time, so it applies to very few select individuals. Um, so most of us really didn't get to play that last day on Monday or really much at all on Thursday. The beta was mostly Friday through Saturday. It's a weekend affair. But yeah, I mean, so many, many of us got to play it. I know I did pay attention. I noticed a handful of you out there in the audience did make note that you did not get invites. So I want to just say first and foremost, I am sorry if you were among those who who weren't offered an opportunity to partake in this this test flighting because that must have been incredibly shitty and, you know, just miserable to feel on the outside looking at everyone getting to play Halo while you're like, I did everything I was supposed to do and I still didn't get selected. So I do feel for you. I just want to make that note. I, I know there are plenty of you out there who are in that situation and I don't I don't mean to make it worse, worse by talking about it, but this is an Xbox news related podcast and this is the biggest thing going on, on an Xbox this past week. So we, we got to talk about it, but I do want to just put out there that my thoughts are with you. I do feel for you, but 
there are plenty of uh, plenty of streams, plenty of YouTube videos and things like that coming out. And not that that makes up for not being able to play it, but at the very least, at least you got a weekend full of new Halo Infinite content to consume and new ways to see the game finally and, and make assessments based on what your all this new shit we were seeing. But with that out of the way, um, so yeah, basically I, I downloaded the game. I only played it on Xbox. I, I didn't play it on PC at all because I mean, I, Surface Pro. I'm not gonna fucking play Halo on a Surface Pro. So. I was relegated to my Xbox Series X, which is the only way I would have played it anyway, so not a problem for me, but I do want to note, it seems like a lot of people had trouble with the PC build. 343 even seemed to be aware that it was going to be troublesome to some extent, but yeah, just even overall, like performance and stability-wise, the Xbox build seemed to hold up a lot better. Now, that first night on Thursday, I stayed up almost the entire fucking night, it felt like, trying to just get that thing downloaded and get in the, in the beta so I could pull a few matches in on opening night. But, yeah, everything was overloaded. Halo Waypoint was impossible to get on. The test flight was, like, impossible to download. Not many people got on that first night. But rest assured, Friday, I woke up first thing in the morning before work. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try to download this and play some matches. And to my luck, I was able to get squeeze a few matches in before, you know, a long day of work. Followed by a fat weekend of Halo. And... This this beta evolved a lot in the few short days we had it. It started out and the bots were on uh, marine difficulty, which is just like normal mode. And so it was just teams of four players pitted against four enemy AI bots on like a medium difficulty. And then on Saturday, they bumped up the difficulty to ODST, which means it's like a hard difficulty. On Sunday, they bumped it up to the final difficulty, which is called Spartan. And then at the end of Sunday, that night, for a few hours, they opened the floodgates and said, fuck it, PvP is open. And it was no longer bots. It was just four players pitted against four other players. So we had a lot of interesting ways to experience um, the gameplay. Not only that, but the other interesting thing they did was the map and weapon rollout. So it started out with just the... Uh, I think it's Live Fire was the first map. And then after about a day of that or half a day of that or whatever, they rolled out Re Recharge, which is the second map, um, and that which is like the indoor like facility one with the gravity hammer. And then the third map, Bizarre, which is like a new Mombasa outdoor kind of level, uh, released uh, Saturday afternoon, I think. I probably have this whole list of like release out of whack. Maybe it was earlier on Sunday. But nonetheless... They kind of slowly rolled out the maps and switched up the weapons and items that were on the maps periodically throughout the weekend. So you had a lot of ways to experience different maps, different takes on the game, difficult difficulties with the enemies and different weapons and items. So it offered a lot of ways to slowly ease players into the sandbox and what it is Halo Infinite's multiplayer has to offer. Although, of course, this is only a portion of what will be in the game's final multiplayer build. So I say that just to say that's kind of the stage for how the content was rolled out. Now, let's just jump into the talk of how the game was. So, my initial, I mean, aside from me just, like, shitting my pants, like, holy crap, I'm getting get to play a new Halo game, I jumped in there fully expecting, you know, I'm going to like this game. I am a generally pretty easy-to-please Halo fan. I mean, I'm, as you know, if you listen to this fucking show, uh, that I, I am a Halo 4 and 5 defender. I like 343. I think they've make, obviously taken the franchise in a lot of new direction. They've taken a lot of liberties with the original Halo formula. But I think, for the most part, they've made pretty great changes and pretty great Halo games overall. Now, there are some old things I miss. There are some things that sometimes I, I go back to Master Chief Collection, Halo 3 or something like that. And I'll, and I'll be like, man... I kind of miss when Halo was like this. And, you know, obviously 4 and 5 strayed very far away from that. And 
the first thing I, I, I knew was that Infinite is going to try so hard to bend the knee and go back to trying to please those fans that they're almost going to take a step back in all directions and, and forget what they wanted to do with Halo. And it's going to feel like a, a, an identity crisis kind of mixed bag of here's what you want, but it feels old and it's not what we want. And you can tell it's somewhat uninspired. Luckily, that was not the case because I jump into Halo Infinite and right off the bat, my first impression was, wow, this game feels so much more like Halo 5 than I thought it was going to. I mean, everything from the control layout is almost 100% the same. There's sprinting, there's ADS to some extent. Now, all these things are changed. Like, movement speed overall is a little slower. Running is a little slower. ADS is minimized a little bit. The guns emphasize it less. Not all the guns have a full regular like call of duty style aim down sights so it is minimized in a lot of ways it's not a hundred percent like oh this feels just like halo 5 but my initial feel from running around the map shooting my first enemy just playing a first match was this feels you know despite the heavy marketing that we're going to the halo you love it's a master chief story we're getting away from the super spacey sci-fi shit we built in halos 4 and 5 this is going to be like halo 1 this is going to be like halo 3 whatever Despite that being so much of the narrative leading up to this point, when I finally had my hands on the controller and was able to feel the movement, able to feel the mechanics and everything, I was like, oh, well, at its core, this is still a 343 Halo game. This still very much feels like the guys that brought you Halo 5. And I know to most people that sounds like, oof, that's a bad thing. But to me, that was actually great news. I was very relieved and pleased to feel that way. But it wasn't until I continued to play more and more that I quickly, real that, I that sorry, that I soon realized just how much it wasn't simply like Halo 5 with the new skin. Because very quickly, the, the, the thing that separates Halo Infinite from more recent Halo titles is its heavy, heavy reliance on a Halo 2, Halo 3 style sandbox where it's all about the weapons, it's all about the gear, it's all about the maneuverability and the smart ways you can play with the toys presented to you. So Halo 5... And this is something that it, it took me a while to kind of understand that this is why people were upset with Halo 5 multiplayer, because Halo 5 multiplayer is just so good and I love it so much. But I understand it, 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 it did take me some time to get this, but I do understand the complaint about Halo 5 multiplayer that it is very sweaty. It is very competitive. It is very much like here are four people versus four people and the objective is to kill the other person and you will thruster out of the way you will clamber up you will ground pound them and you will use your ar and your magnum and you will run around this map and try to pop the other guy in the face very call of duty style in a way it is here are your weapons here's your loadout fucking kill the other guy whereas you know traditionally halo games were a little more lax it was a little more like whoa, whoa, whoa. slow it down pick up this thing that you found in the map throw this here it'll drain his enemy but oops your teammate runs into it, it drains his enemy too that's wacky think about fun ways to play with that okay you spawned with an ar but Look over there on this side of the map, there's a shotgun spawning in. Okay, grab the shotgun. Well, now you have a, a power advantage, so make sure you hang on to that bitch when you're in close quarter combat, because it could give you the upper hand. And then it's just about that kind of clever way of like, oops, this is spawning the map. Who can get to it first? Oops, this item is here. What's a creative way you can use that to give yourself the advantage in battle? Halo 5 forgoes a lot of that, because... All the abilities and things like that are built into the player. It's not you pick up a, a shield or an energy drain on the map. It's you thrust it because it's part of your armor ability. You ground pound because it's a part of your armor ability. You charge because it's a part of your armor ability. And I loved that in Halo 5, and I had shit tons of fun with it. But it wasn't until I really played Halo Infinite with, you know, spent a little bit of time with it that I realized, okay, 
So it is Halo 5-like in that the control layout is the same. And yes, you can still aim down sights. And yes, you can still run. But the way the game fundamentally works and plays is very much in the spirit of classic Halo. And, and when I say classic Halo, I really mean... I, it, to me, it really felt like the takeaway was they tried to make something that is still modern and accessible to newer and younger gamers like Halo 5. But their inspiration for the game was a... Gameplay inspiration from Halo 3 and an artistic inspiration from Halo Reach. And that's kind of what Halo Infinite feels like to me. It's like, here's a game that plays like Halo 3, that looks like Halo Reach, and is modern and sensible and accessible like Halo 5. And that's kind of like the way I would most accurately, from my perspective, try to describe to you what Halo Infinite is and what it feels like. And that might sound like, again, like 343 trying to please too many people and do so many things, but actually, and to my great surprise and welcome surprise, they actually nail it perfectly because despite despite the game seeming like what I just described, it doesn't come off as a, a mix of Halo 3 with a mix of Halo Reach and a mix of Halo 5. No, it actually comes off as Halo Infinite. It comes off as this is a natural evolution of Halo. It feels like its own game. doesn't feel like it's just aping from previous titles or trying to please fanboys. It actually feels like they melded all these ideas and concepts and feelings and they understood what they wanted, what we wanted, what makes sense, what the franchise is all about. And they managed to pull off an experience that isn't about compromising for the sake of pleasing people, but rather just really understands at the core what Halo is, what it absolutely needs to be and feel like Halo, and how you can sensibly evolve and iterate on that while still retaining the original identity. For example, Halo 4 understands what Halo is because the engine and the physics kind of feel like Halo. But you think about Halo 4, it's like loadouts aren't very Halo. You know, drop pods with with saws and, and, and energy stores and shit. That's not very Halo, but... The thing about Halo Re- uh, Halo Infinite is it feels like Halo. It's like, hey, this shit just spawned in on the map, but and whoever gets it gets it. May the best player win. And it's very everyone starts on equal footing. Everyone's everything's very fair in a way, and that and that's what makes it feel like classic Halo. But it also feels like an evolution because they have so many things that you know. It's like okay, well, classic Halo fans don't. Let's talk about it in a way you know it's a little more ten, a little more concrete, right? So we always talk about how the OG whiny bitchy Halo fans, the classic Halo fans are always complaining about we don't want Sprint in Halo. Well, let's be realistic. You cannot take Sprint out of Halo. First of all, it had to come into Halo at some point or another because it's just what every fucking shooter has. And you can argue whether or not that's correct or not, that it had to be there. But the point is, they brought it in with Halo 4. You can't take it back. You cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Once you introduce running into Halo, you can't be like, oh, and now it's gone. Because, yes, you might please your old school fans, but the mass majority of people are going to be like, what the fuck is a first-person shooter where you can't run? So, running's back. Because it has to be, whether you like it or not. The thing is, they pulled off running in this game in a way that is true to the spirit of, you know, of Halo of Halo's past. So, you know, like I'll, I'll defend running in Halo four and five. Cause I liked that evolution, but I understand people's concern that it's not like classic Halo. Well, three, four, three managed to defy the odds and make sprinting feel like Halo. And here's what I mean by that. The way, the, the way the running speed is set and the way the items are laid out and the way the maps are built is such that sure. You can run if you want, right? In Halo five, I could run around the map, and if someone's shooting at me, I'm like, oh, fuck. I could thrust her out of the way and run behind cover and try to recharge and recoup so I could come and attack them back. That's not very in the spirit of Classic Halo because Classic Halo is more about, like, 
You're being attacked. What do you have on you? What can you do to turn the battle around and try to win? And Halo Infinite gets that. So it's like, okay, we're not getting rid of Sprint, but you can't just run away like you would in Halo 5. How do we make this... How do how do we accept that sprinting has to be there, but make it still feel like classic Halo? And they do a great job of it. They're like, well, you don't want to just run around the map because you're going to miss specific vantage points, miss specific items that are going to give you a benefit in the battle, and... If you just start running around, and if you just start running around trying to shoot, your accuracy is going to get increasingly worse and worse and worse. So what it does is it kind of encourages this this playing atmosphere of like, well, yes, I can run, but running is more for like, oh, I just spawned and I'm trying to get over to where the action is, not oh, this guy's attacking me, let me run away. And so they balance it such that it's like, I'm not going to run because firing from the hip is more accurate than aiming down sights. And walking and shooting is, or like regular movement and shooting is more accurate than running and shooting and all these things. So it becomes this advantage of like, it doesn't help you. It does not help you to run and gun and run and hide and all these things. And it's like, you don't want to pass this weapon. And this is where this item's about to spawn. And this is where these enemies are hanging out. And the way that the the maps and the gameplay loop is designed is such that you can have the modern sensibilities for those rare moments where you need run like hey this is boring i don't want to be on the other side of the map where no action's happening let me run over here to where my squad is and see what's going on but it doesn't also encourage aimless running for the sake of running by just being like oh yeah yeah, yeah. and if you're a shot you can run away from it and if you're in a pickle you can run away from it and if you want to troll people you can run away so they somehow work these features in in, a, in such a way that I think is going to be pleasing for most. And I use running as my main example, but that's just common throughout the that's the common theme throughout the Halo and throughout Halo Infinite. It's just here's something that it's controversial, but we found a way to make it work. Here's something that you may not like, but we found a way to modernize it in a way that you know respects the legacy of Halo while also making it accessible and doable for for modern Halo the grapple shot like let's let's stop being around the bush the most important thing here to talk about the grapple shot this is my favorite piece of equipment in Halo history i don't even care the game's not out yet i don't care how jump the gun this might sound to some of you guys but oh my god the grapple shot is my favorite fucking thing they've ever introduced into Halo it's so cool it is exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly what we saw in, in, in the trailers and in the gameplay demo from last year and everything. You pick it on up, you get three uses with it, and you can grapple the fuck out of things. But it's not just like, oh, it's a grapple hook. You can just grab onto a ledge, pull yourself up, and give yourself a height advantage. No, there's many, many creative ways you can use it. In fact, I saw an amazing video where someone was trying to recreate. So on uh, when they showed the multiplayer demo back at E3, there was... Uh, that really awesome scene where someone throws a stick grenade at the gravity hammer from a distance and the explosion from the stick grenade causes the gravity hammer or the energy sword or whatever it was to push forward in the direction of the player so the player didn't have to run and reach for it. The, The grenade blast actually just shoved it in his direction and then he was able to whip, you know, like reach out and grab it. So what this player does in this video that came out after this weekend was they kind of recreate that. They take a, a stick grenade, they throw it where there's a gravity hammer, the gravity hammer or the, the grenade physics completely fuck up and blow the gravity hammer into the wrong direction. So it's actually falling off a cliff and the player's like, Oh fuck, I'm about to lose this gravity hammer. Cause instead of having the explosion blast it in my direction, it's blasting in the opposite direction off a fucking cliff. So quickly the player takes his grapple hook throws that fucking bitch over the cliff, snaps onto the gravity hammer, pulls it back to him, saving it from falling down the cliff. And that's the kind of smart thinking and the kind of fun 
sandbox interaction that's like okay that's fucking amazing and that dude that's that's just the perfect anecdote to explain the fun there is to be had with this item the first time I, I played the map recharge which is my favorite of the three maps uh by far the first time i played that map i came in contact with the grapple shot i was like oh my god oh my god i didn't think this item was going to be in the beta here we go oh my god let's give it a try immediately like i was i was actually streaming on twitch when it happened and my I, i'm not even kidding i'm not it wasn't even manufactured in the least bit i i was just the giddiest most giggly little fucking child in the world i was like this is so mind fuckingly cool. It was it's it's amazing. It's so goddamn cool. You can you can use it to reach up on a ledge and pull yourself up so you can grab that item or get that height advantage over an enemy. But you can also use it like, oh my enemy's shooting at me. Let me literally grapple at his fucking face and pull myself towards him and then punch it. That was my that became my favorite fucking move was to come in contact with an enemy from a little bit of like a mid-range distance put a couple bullets in them, and then grapple shot onto their chest, latch the fucking shot into their armor, and just get Spider-Man, like, yank myself towards them, and then just, like, punch the fuck out of them. And the, and the physics in this game are so goddamn good that you melee someone, and they just, like, blast off 30 yards in the distance. It's so incredibly unrealistic and cartoony and violent and fun in the most amazing way. And I, I got to be honest with you guys. I, I sit here on this podcast I've been doing for two years, constantly saying old Halo fans are the worst. All they do is bitch about how Halo isn't the same anymore. And Halo 5 is way better than it gets any 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 recognition for and blah, 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 blah. And so shitty. Why won't people just leave 343 alone? But I, I got to be honest. I got to reel it back a little bit here because 343... <laughs> Tried to focus more on the items, tried to focus more on the sandbox as the fans were clamoring for. And I think this was the right move. I, I, I think this is a big improvement over Halo 5's multiplayer. And that's saying a lot because Halo 5 is my favorite Halo multiplayer after 3. Outside of 3, it's my favorite Halo multiplayer. So I, I, I don't know what to say. I think they did an incredible job by taking that fan feedback. Clearly... These fans knew something I didn't know. They they understood an aspect of this game that I was just totally oblivious to missing. And this is kind of something, you know, I, I'm not changing my 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 attitude about Halo 5. I, I still love Halo 5. Nothing can take away the five and a half, nearly six years I've had of great gameplay memories, you know, on that game. Nothing's going to take that away. But I got to be honest, I, I never really thought about it that much before. But yeah, Halo 5 is very competitive focused. It is very like... I'm going to just spawn, switch to my Magnum that's super powerful and just try to focus on headshots and just focus on score and killing and doing damage. And that's kind of how I've always played Halo 5, but I didn't really realize that Halo 5 is such a departure from Classic Halo and that, yeah, I'm not I'm not so focused on like picking up power weapons around the map and trying to goof around with the physics and do this and that. And it's like, I'm just focused on like getting kills with the weapons I have. And Halo Infinite has taught me and reminded me in a way that Halo's at its most fun when, yes, it's competitive and you can take it seriously and try to be really good, but it's very social and it's very casual and it's very goofy. It's very physics-based. It's very, uh, yeah, here's my AR I spawn with. It's good. I can get most of my kills with it, but uh, I'm going to try to get the Ravenger over here or the or the um, fucking Hookshot, whatever it's called. I, I totally forgot what it's called. And just all, all these wacky weapons and items and just try, try to do crazy shit with it. I saw this guy on this video uh, from this past weekend, where he took the grapple shot in the bizarre map, and he grappled onto like this massive door hang, and he just fucking rode 
he rode the grapple hook like fucking Spider-Man, swung through the door and up and was just like flying up into the sky and then landed on a rooftop, turned around and just sniped an enemy clear off like the fucking other side of the map. And I'm like, that's the coolest shit. This is why (laughs) this is what makes Halo Infinite so fucking special. And it is it is the toys around the levels that you can just fight over and run for and try to play with in weird and twisted ways to give yourself the upper hand advantage. And I, I, I think this, this is, it's, it's a halo that is really indicative of what made the originals fun, but also very modern and very new. And it feels entirely like its own thing while also feeling it very much like halo. And yeah, after the beta ended, I tried to go back and play a little bit of Halo 5, thinking, well, Halo 5 is probably the closest experience to Halo Infinite out there. No. I, I thought because the control scheme was similar and there's running and AD- ADS and everything, I thought going back to Halo 5 might feel like the closest experience to Halo, Re- Halo Infinite right now, but it wasn't. I was like, wow, Halo 5 is actually, after playing 15 hours this weekend of Halo Infinite, going back to Halo 5 actually felt like playing you know, a way faster game, a way twitchier game, a way more competitive game. And I was getting my ass handed to me on Halo 5. I was like, whoa, this is way more involved than what I was just playing with Halo Infinite. Now, granted, you know, Halo Infinite, everyone's new to it right now, so no one's particularly great at it. And we spent the majority of the weekend playing against computer AI. And even though the computer AI was incredibly impressive, like these these AI could throw fucking grenades off walls and bounce them off their feet and shit and get really technical kills, which is incredibly impressive for computer AI for, you know, non-player characters. But, um, even though that's the case, I mean, still that's, that's easier than playing against other actual players, but still my, my takeaway after trying to go back to Halo five shortly after the beta for infinite was, wow, I I don't remember. I just remember thinking that this game was a lot more similar to infinite, but no, it's, it's very, very different. And I guess what, what's really welcome to me is, it feels modern and accessible like Halo 5, like I said, but it's fun, it's social, and it's fo- centered around the toys in the fun ways to interact with the game, like classic Halo, and it feels and looks new and modern, and it's great, and I just, I really fucking love this game. I cannot say enough great things about it. My favorite map was by far, I think I'm getting the names right, Recharge, which is the, which is the indoor kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was the... The thing I really loved about this map was the verticality of it. There's like a basement level. There's like a mid level. There's a top level. There's this bridge that like kind of super exposes you, but connects the center of the map together. There's all these really really fun areas. There's nice little corners. There's the Ravager is like my favorite weapon on this map. It's that that banished weapon that like basically just shoots out red energy. And if if you if you try to scope in a little bit and shoot around like the players like lower half of their body, like around their feet and legs, you can basically just decimate them and burn them to fuck in like three shots it's really really good and this map also has like i said the the grapple shot but if you compare the grap if you compare not compare like if you can pair the grapple shot with the gravity hammer which is also on this map holy fuck dude you can just latch onto fucking enemies pull yourself across the map just fucking punch him in the face, pull out your gravity hammer, smack him on the floor. It's so cool. It's so fucking good. And these kills are so satisfying. Like you'll get these kinds of feats. You'll get that, like pop him in the butt with a couple pistol shots, hook shot on this ledge, pull yourself up to the platform, smack him in the face with a gravity hammer and just get that kill. And it feels so satisfying. Just switching between all the tools and toys in your arsenal to give yourself the advantage, to overcome the enemy. And man, it is, it, 
I, I saw so many people like bitching and moaning about like how like God, there's some stupid asshole on on Twitter who was posting all these like obnoxious videos. Like, here's a video of the animations from Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2019, and here is the reload animation from Halo Infinite. Can't believe a game from two years ago looks this much better, and it took Halo Infinite this long to come out. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Who gives a fucking shit, man? Like, I, I'll. Dude, I'll, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 is a pretty good campaign. Like, I like that game's campaign a lot, but its multiplayer fucking sucks. Modern Warfare 2019 is one of the worst Call of Duties, in my opinion, because it's a game that doesn't understand fun at all. It tries to be the most realistic Call of Duty. It tries to make everything lower time to kill and more, like, hardcore and everything's on the line. And it's like, oh, God, you can feel heart rates and you can peek around corners and get shot in the penis once and by a by a straight tactical bullet that cost four billion taxpayer dollars that the u.s government just stole so that we can put in the fucking guns of every marine it's like it's one of the lamest fucking multiplayer experiences ever it's way too sweaty it's way too hardcore everyone who plays it is basically just like i take this shit way too seriously it's not a fun game halo infinite is like Anyone can jump in and just have the time of their goddamn life. Grab a grapple shot and just uh, take an overshield and take a needler and just fucking pound a bunch of needles into this guy and watch him blow up and then jump down a fucking ledge and grapple shot your way back up just to show you can. And it's like, who gives a shit? And I saw so much of that this weekend where like people were trying to like hate on this game because the way it looked or it wasn't like realistic or next gen enough. It's like, dude, I'm telling you this now. Halo Infinite is going to be the biggest deal in Halo since the old Halo games. Since Bungie Halo, this is going to be by far the biggest deal in Halo. And I am i can't necessarily say in sales-wise because, you know, Halo 4 sold so incredibly well because it came out the end of Xbox 360's lifespan when the install base was huge. So I'm, I'm not talking sales, although, you know, with this game being on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC, I guess sales-wise it could be way bigger. But I'm just talking about in terms of sheer, like, respect, recognition from the industry, media coverage, love, adoration, and, and just doing well in that regard. I think Halo Infinite is easily on track to be the most beloved Halo game since probably Halo 3. Like, it's, it's, the multiplayer is that incredibly well-spirited and in the vein of the Halo we all know and love that I think it's absolutely going to pull it off because it, it just appeals to so many people on so many levels. Now, obviously, we can't really speak to the whole package because there's a lot of multiplayer we haven't experienced yet. Big Team Battle, we don't know what that's like yet. Forge, we don't know what that's like yet. And of course, most importantly, the campaign. None of us have played the fucking campaign. There are leaks going around right now about story details, so make sure you steer clear of that bullshit. You know, until until we get the, our hands on the campaign and get to play the whole experience of Halo Infinite, you know, we can't really say anything definitively. But so far, based on what we have seen, what we have played, Halo Infinite is off to the perfect start, just in terms of being what the people want giving everyone what they're looking for. You got people like me who were totally happy with where 343 was going with Halo, and I love it more than I could have possibly expected. And then you got people who are super disenfranchised with the Halo series, and, and they just haven't enjoyed the games since Bungie was involved. And these people seem to be incredibly hyped on it. And above all, like a, the only thing other than just the, the pure fact that this game is so much fun, the only other thing that was super exciting and and, and 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 welcoming to see was just Halo, all of its fans from all corners, just unanimously seemed to be so universally happy with this game. Everyone, you know, some people have their gripes. I have my own criticisms of the game, which we can get into, but like 
the most important thing is this game is so much fun and it's pleasing everyone. And that is such a rare treat you don't see often. It seems like Halo Infinite is going to be, you know, I used to always make the comparison. What 343 needs for Halo to be in order for it to truly be successful is their Breath of the Wild. You know, they need their Halo Breath of the Wild in order for people to give this game the the kind of attention and adoration that it needs in order to revitalize Halo. And I kept saying I don't think that's possible. And I still am not totally convinced that Halo Infinite can be all that. It might be too many expect too high expectations, but I think so far from what we've gotten to play, I I I'm, I think they're on the right track. I think so far they've pulled it all off against the odds, against all the big news stories we've been seeing over the years about this person left and this person left and there's development trouble at 343 and the studio's kind of in disarray and poorly managed and the game's taking longer than it should be and delay this and delay that and all the bad news we've been hearing, all the bad rumors we've been hearing, how rough it's been and everyone's losing faith in Halo and no one trusts 343 and everyone's having the conversation of is 343 fit to develop this franchise, blah, 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 blah. Despite all of that for years and years, this beta shut everyone up for a minute said hey fucking play this game and shut your goddamn mouth because it was that good and you know that's not a brag like i got to play the beta and i know a lot of you didn't that is my way of saying regardless of whether or not you got to play this we have something to be very truly excited about i think this is going to be the biggest xbox game the biggest console exclusive the biggest thing happening from an xbox first party studio in a very long time definitely bigger than anything that happened on the xbox one and i think that's just really cool because we're already experiencing this xbox renaissance at this time and i love that we're about to see that get even bigger and and go even further because not only did xbox series x bring it the game pass bring it has phil spencer turn around their ship and really helped people to appreciate xbox once again see the value and and respect what's happening here, but now we have a tentpole game that's going to back up all the goodwill that Xbox has built over these past years. I really think if they can pull off the campaign, which you know, it sounds like I'm just assuming this is 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 easily going to be the case. It's not. I, I, we don't know. It's not. The, in my opinion, the campaign's actually the harder part to get right. Remember, Halo Five, despite people's criticisms with the multiplayer from time to time. The bigger criticism with Halo 5 is the story, the campaign. So, we, you know, it's still nothing is set in stone until people have the game. It's out. You know, we can assure that it's not a broken mess like Master Chief Collection and that the, the campaign is good and not uh, disappointing to fans the way Halo 5 was. You know, a, a, until we have the game in our hands in a final capacity and are able to experience the entire package, we can't be for sure. But so far, from what we have seen and what we have played, I think we're on the right track. Some other quick things I just want to get into, you know, a couple comments and, and other things about Halo I just want to address real quick before we get off this topic. Count Skyler wrote in and said, Halo Infinite, I want a full report. How does it feel? How does it sound? Was the gunplay tight? Does it really feel like a combination of previous Halo titles or does it feel like a Halo 5 reskin with removed abilities? I want all the details. There's other content creators out there, but I don't trust them because they don't understand Disney like you do. They're not real fans. Looking forward to the stream. Thank you, Count Skyler. Of course, if you don't know Disney, how the fuck are you going to know anything about Halo? I mean, inevitably, Disney's going to buy Halo, and then we're all going to have to pretend Master Chief is our favorite Disney princess. So, of course. But to kind of break some of your points down, how does the game feel? Incredibly tight. It's slower than Halo 5, but by no means does the game feel slow. It's not like, oh, this is a step back. This is this is old and archaic. It's like, nope, the game feels modern. It feels like it's a perfect pace and everything. But when you really compare it side by side to Halo 5, yes, it is slowed down. But 
with the new gameplay loop, with the way the, the levels are set out and the way the kind of gameplay loop and the mechanics play out and work, it actually makes perfect sense. It doesn't feel like it's slow in a bad way. It feels like it's been slowed down for the right reasons and in good ways. So it's it's um feels incredibly tight. I, again, I played on Xbox Series X, which seemed to be the platform that performed the best. The PC build had some issues. Obviously, Xbox One's not going to get Xbox Series X performance. Um, and I thought, you know, barring some a couple times where matchmaking crashed or bugged out, um, once I was actually in a match, the moment-to-moment gameplay felt absurdly smooth. It felt like a pretty far-along build. The guns feel incredibly, incredibly tight. I love the new AR. It feels incredibly balanced. The new sidearm, I really, really like it. I wish it was just a pinch stronger because I'm a big fan of the Halo 5 Magnum. But I understand for the sake of balancing, you can't give you two, you know, can't, let the player start with two OP weapons. I get that. The sound is pretty goddamn good. I love the music and the menus. I love the gun sounds. Everything feels so punchy. Like the fucking... Dude, every gun in this game sounds so satisfying. and so punchy and so, like, kinetic. It's like when you're... God, when you're firing the AR... I Don't even get me started on the, on the Bulldog, which is the new shotgun. Holy fuck, I love the Bulldog so much. It's such a good weapon. And every... It, it's so... Unlike the classic Halo... Uh, shotgun instead of being a slow pump action uh, shotgun with very strong bullets that take one to two shots to take down an enemy it is a much faster rate of fire lower powered shotgun so it's more it's more successive like quick one two three usually takes about three uh, decent shots to kill an enemy with it but it is the most satisfying weapon ever every time I get in to a uh, uh, fire range the first map first thing I do is I keep right grab the needler get a fast kill run underground take that bulldog and then take it up uh and into the close quarters center of the map and just start popping those fuckers out it is so incredibly satisfying I love the fuck out of the weapon the weapons in general feel phenomenal but god in particular that gun oh my god I love it so much the new BR very very good I was kind of confused about it at first I was like trying to get a feel for it uh, figure out what it was at first. I wasn't crazy about the design because it looks kind of like the Halo 2 battle rifle, and I was a really big fan of the Halo 4 and 5 battle rifle. I really love the art style of of that battle ri- rifle. But oh my god, this bo- this battle rifle is maybe too good. I feel like I feel like the aim assist is so good. It's so smart playing on a controller where uh, <laughs> it feels like <laughs> like. I'm not that good at Halo. I'm not that good at any shooter with in terms of aim. My aim accuracy is at best like a 45%, right? And But god damn, this new battle rifle, it just feels like every time you aim for the enemy, it just snaps in perfectly. But it doesn't feel like an oversteered aim assist. It feels like you did that every time. So it's like you scope in from a distance and you're trying to like headshot some fucking asshole in the distance trying to take this bot out and teach it that life does have an ending and oh my god it's like you're just it's so it feels so effortless and you're just popping them in the fucking torso and in the head boom 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 and the sound design's amazing and the feedback's amazing the br feels so goddamn good and you know I, i'm not crazy about the way it looks i wish it still looked like the modern br but at the end of the day the most important thing is the way it plays and god Damn, does that gun feel good? Really, really love it. The sound design, uh, the, the weak points in the sound design, like I, the new, the new uh, plasma pistol kind of sucks. I, I, it sounds really weird and cartoony. Um, I also just feel like it's just not fun. I've never been a big plasma pistol fan to begin with, but I, it was the gun I definitely used the least and didn't care for. Also, sound design wise, the whole Spartan chatter thing, where like the Spartans talk to each other in game, is 
I can take it or leave it. It doesn't bother me until the Spartans say something stupid. And whenever you're playing uh, the fire range, the first map, for some fucking reason, the if uh, if if an enemy's in the distance, one of your Spartans will just be like over yonder, and I'm like just like what? Why the fuck did William Shakespeare come back from the grave to write Spartan dialogue for the multiplayer component of the new Halo game? Like what actually happened here? That someone was like, yeah, 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 and it's the year, you know, it's the twenty, it's the twenty six hundreds, I think, it's the twenty five. I think Spartans are definitely saying words like fucking yonder in here. And it's just some really cringe dialogue, unnecessary for the most part. I'm like, okay, maybe we don't need that so much. But yeah, the music's phenomenal. The gun sounds amazing. The general soundscape of the game is really, really good. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, 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 it's, it's really good. The, the, for the first, I will say that for the first half a day that I played it, I really missed the thruster pack from Halo five. Cause I fucking love thruster. I love being in the light of, I, I love like spawning and trying to like get into the center where the action's happening. I just do, I'm like running. And then I always do that satisfying slick move on my controller where I just hit a B. I just slide my thumb across a B. So your Spartan like jumps and thrusts forward and it's just not having that constantly got to me in place of thruster is your crouch slash crouch slash slide button so sliding is back sliding is something i never really took advantage of much in in previous halo games but in this game there's definitely more of an emphasis on slide than ever before and the slide feels fine i i love the slide in black ops cold war where in like black ops 4 black ops cold war where it's super exaggerated where you can just like slide a cartoonish amount i think it's really fun and so at first i was like okay if we can't have thruster i'm cool with slide slides really good but the slide is very slow it's very short and it's very delayed it's like you hit the slide button you don't hold it you just tap it and it's like there's like a, a little delay and then you slide like a medium amount, not not nearly as like dramatic a slide as like most other first person shooters that have this feature. But the good thing is you can do a jump slide. So if you're running and then you see a slope up ahead, you can jump onto the slope and then hold crouch and then do a as you land on the slope, you'll do like an extra long slide. So that's very satisfying to do. But it's the only way you can really get that extended slide. And otherwise, I'm not I'm not crazy crazy about it but I did get used to it and it's something that I definitely learned to accept over the course of the weekend for sure aside from that clamber is still here thank god I think that's one you really can't do without at this point but yes ground pound's gone I love ground pound but I, I never used it too too much so I can live with that thrusters the one I'm really particularly a little salty about and then also charge is gone but it's almost okay that charge is gone because the new melee just feels, so, again, so fucking satisfying. It's clicking the right stick. You're pretty common, like Call of Duty style melee. But you hit someone and you want to talk about sound design. That click when you're fucking, when your fist or the butt of your rifle hits the other opponent in the face and they just go flying a, a billion feet into the atmosphere. It is so goddamn good. It's it's such a good feeling. So I'm really happy with the move set, um, despite the move away from Halo 5. And yeah, at first, for a second there, I was like, this is like a Halo 5 reskin. I can't believe people are so happy with this. But the more and more I played it, the more I realized, and especially after going back and trying to play some Halo 5, this is not a Halo 5 reskin. This has some Halo 5 in it. Halo 5 is not completely dead and gone. There's definitely things Halo 5 did and did very well, and they still persist in Halo Infinite. And these are things like the control scheme, control layout, more of the faster pace overall movement, the ADS, but the ADS is more curated to guns that particularly demand them and less so every weapon in the sandbox and things like that but halo 5's dna is still here it's not so much from an artistic standpoint although i'm pretty sure the the plasma pistol is the exact same 
plasma pistol from Halo 5. So, you know, that one might be the exception. But there is a lot of Halo 5 here, but it does not look and feel like Halo 5. It is a new game all into its own. And at first, you know, before I played this, I would have said for better or for worse. But now I think maybe for better because I, I really love this multiplayer. And I'm really excited to having this be Halo's multiplayer suite for the uh, foreseeable future. But yeah, like I said, it definitely it definitely has some Halo 3 in it. Definitely has some Halo 5 in it. Definitely has some Halo Reach in it. But to me, it feels like an original title all into itself. It feels like, you know, like let's let's say this was the first, let's say after Halo Reach, Bungie was like, okay, we're retiring the franchise. And Microsoft said, okay, we're hanging it up until we can figure out one day what we want to do with it. And let's say there was never a Halo 4, there was never a Halo 5. And then just years and years went by. And then Halo Infinite was the first foray back into the Halo universe after 3 and Reach came out. I would say this is a very, very suitable uh, successor to Halo, you know, in a post Bungie world. The thing is, you know, the Halo four and fives of the world kind of muddy it a little bit just because that's, those are the games that bring in the divisiveness between the fans. But as a successor to the Halos that came before, I think infinite really largely succeeds from what we've seen and what we've played as, as what Halo should, should and could be going forward. And it's very much an original title all, all into its own. I think, uh, lastly, my brother says initial impressions for infinite feels amazing. A lot like five, actually, I guess what people wanted was for it to look like reach, but play like five. That's kind of my initial impression too. But the more and more I played it, the more I, I realized that that wasn't the case. And I plan on getting back to some more Halo 5 this weekend uh, just to further test that theory. But yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. It's uh, definitely definitely toned down in the in the competitiveness and the sweatiness and the speed of Halo 5. But there is a lot of on first pick up and play. I think there is a lot of Halo 5 in its DNA. And that's that's what stands out the most at first, um, just from a feel perspective. Uh, so yeah, the guns, like I, like I said, there's so many good guns. The forget the fucking name of the, the, the skewer. Oh yeah. The skewer, all that gun. Oh my God. It's so hard to get a kill with it, but if you can get one, it's a fucking harpoon gun and it basically replaces the Spartan laser, which I'm so fine with. Cause I never liked the Spartan laser, but God, this thing feels so goddamn good when you, when you get a shot with it, the sniper, I couldn't really figure that one out. I, I still struggled with that. And then the last gun I really want to mention is actually the plasma carbine. I love the carbine, so I was sad to see it go. And so I, I tried the plasma carbine, which is like a three-round burst carbine. So it's more of like a, a like like a Covenant BR and less like a Covenant DMR, like the old carbine. And at first I was kind of salty about it, but then EA's King, who often writes it on the show, um, actually told me during the stream, he's like, no, no, man, give it another try. He's like, use the pulse carbine when you're aiming down sights. Don't fire from the hip with it. It's much better. I'm like, okay, let me try it again. Absolutely right. So when you aim down sights and you get a good medium range shot, the gun has a little bit of a track to it, kind of like the needler. And if you can get like two, like three successive hits, like the torso or above with this thing, it's like an instant kill and it feels so good. So it's kind of, it's, it was kind of a deceptive gun because for the first like half of the alpha or the test flight, I was like, I'm really disappointed by this pulse carbine. And then after I got some feedback on how to use it better from, uh, from EA's King, I was like, my, my, my tune totally changed. And I was like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Also, I, I will say last, sorry, last thing about weapons, the commando, that new, 
like LMG kind of uh, UNSC weapon that we saw in the gameplay demo from last last summer. I was really looking forward to playing this gun and I just kept going up and down with it throughout the weekend of like, I like it, but I'm not good with it. I don't like it because I'm not good with it. Like I, I couldn't figure it out, but I never got good with this gun. A lot of people say it's a strictly fire from the hip gun. If you try to aim down sights or shoot from too long a range, you're really going to fuck it up. But if you can get a short to medium range shot from the hip, it's much better. But I never really had a good experience with this gun. It was the one that probably disappointed me the most in terms of like, I'm really looking forward to this, but it just didn't end up being all that. But I mean, other than that, I think this game is largely great. I think some of the UI is a little funny. It looks a little bit like Destiny to me. I, I wish it was a little easier to select and move around menus. Actually, going back to Halos 3 and 5 after this this uh, test flight, it actually made me a little sad because I was like, Halo UIs are usually so simple and they feel so Halo. Like, I want the Halo 5 UI. Like, I don't want the Halo Infinite UI, if I could say that. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I do hope that is something they go back on and work on more is the UI. It's a little too transparent, too loose, too cumbersome in ways. It's like, oh yeah, you can select this armor piece or this armor coating with, with A, but then you have to press X to like equip it properly. And it's just kind of weird like that. I wasn't crazy about some of that stuff, but those are really minor gripes in the grand scheme of things, really easy things to fix. So, for the most part, I'm a massive fan. My, my favorite map was the second one, the, the the indoor facility one. My second favorite map was the first map, the live fire, the more simplistic UNSC training grounds map. And then the third one, the new Mombasa kind of outdoor bazaar map named Bazaar was my least favorite of the maps. Even though I loved going back to new Mombasa and I thought this map was incredibly visually appealing, I found it to be the least satisfying because with bots, they kind of didn't know how to use this this map they all stayed in the center and they didn't really use the other outer quadrants of the map very well but this map is pretty cool and interesting there's like you can like hide behind gutters and duck down and get a shortcut to the shotgun and there's just some really cool shit going on this map you just gotta know how to use it intelligently and i feel like it's one of those maps that will kind of age better as players you know as players learn it better but for the beta or for the test flight i wasn't too crazy about it but all the maps i thought were at the very least good competent in, in in my range in my opinion they range from like solid map to like pretty great map so map selection pretty good um i cannot wait to play more of this we will get another test flighting soon enough i don't know quite when but i whenever that is i cannot wait for it you guys uh halo infinite very very promising i can't believe i've finally gotten the chance to play some of it and yeah i mean this went from my most anticipated game of last year and this year to now being my most anticipated game pretty much for the next decade. Like I don't I don't know how any game's gonna come out anytime soon and, and be even half as interesting to me as this is, except maybe the next 3D Sonic game that's supposed to come out in a year or two. But if, seriously, like this is this is that kind of game that only comes around once or twice a decade and I cannot fucking wait for it man i'm so high on halo infinite but yeah if you guys were lucky enough to get in, in on the test flight let me know what you thought about about it i would love to hear your feedback what you liked what you didn't like um and with that all done said let's jump into the regular run of show like i said it's an incredibly slim week so not a lot of news not even a lot of comments to get through but we will now proceed with a regular episode of xbox on thank you for allowing me to indulge in halo it is my favorite franchise in gaming after all all right let's go all right, so let's start out with our comments, questions, shoutouts, whatnot from YouTube.com. You know how this goes. Head over to YouTube.com. You look up Second Best Gaming. Click on the channel. You can go to the latest episode of the podcast, episode 113. Leave a comment. Anything you say will and can be read against you in the court of Xbox On. So you can say something mean like, 
Halo Infinite was dumb. I was expecting it to feel like my favorite game, Rainbow Six Siege, but instead it just felt like more stupid Halo. I hope 343 stops making Halo and realizes that they can never compete with my favorite shooter, Rainbow Six Siege, Tom Clancy Edition. And I'll say that mean comment, bet you don't even know what it's like to make a game, but I'll still read your comment. Or you can say something really nice, like, I thought Halo Infinite was fucking amazing. Super happy with it. While yes, I do have my personal reservations about the game, I'm really pleased with how it's coming along, and I can't wait to see more from the team at 343. And I'll say, wow, so much positivity and groundedness. I, I can't uh, help but admire the kindness and level-headedness of your comment. Nonetheless, our first comment here comes from a, a Mr. Sam Torres, who says, The truck finally dropped my Series X in front of my house. Thanks, bots that work at Dawn Deals Daily. Never heard of that. <laughs> Worth it. Ascent, great. Flight Sim, great. Missing some key details here in Orlando, but I haven't checked Epcot for Spaceship Earth yet. As for Virginia, I haven't been there to eat, but I've gone there to pick up food orders with Uber. And it's not the best. They ain't got it, but they think they do. Rock on, Jesse. So I, I don't understand what you're saying. So you, you're you, you're from Orlando, or you live in Orlando, is what I'm gathering from your many comments, Sam Torres. And you're saying I have I haven't checked Epcot for Spaceship Earth yet. What what do you mean? Like you you live in Orlando, you you do the Disney, you know the Disney. You haven't checked Epcot for Spaceship Earth yet. What do you mean? You know what Spaceship Earth is. It's the it's 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 the it's the most iconic attraction at the park. It's the one there in the center in the big Epcot sphere thing. What do you what do you fucking I don't I don't even understand what you mean by that, Sam Torres. Please elaborate. Now, as Virginia, so you you've gone there to pick up Uber Eats orders, but you've never gone there to eat yourself. You're saying, well, that's funny that you said because when I used to work when I used to work in a restaurant and people used to like DoorDash and shit like that, we get so pissed off, and our our team would never put in half the effort they need to to put the uh, Uber Eats or the DoorDash or or uh, Grubhub orders together and things like that, and it would always infuriate the drivers. I always remember feeling so bad for them because they would come there and try to pick up an order and we wouldn't have it ready. Or like, we'd be like, Hey, actually we have an exclusive deal with this delivery food service. So we actually can't accept DoorDash or Uber Eats orders or whatever. You have to, you know, you have to take us off the list or whatever. And I just remember it driving people nuts. So feel for you there. Now, Sam, let's move back to Xbox. Dead Captain James says, I'm alive and still here. I'm glad to see you started the community nights. I'm going to try my best to get in on one, but the usual times I'm eating dinner with the kids and wife, and then it's baths and bedtime after that. One of the weekend times is the best, is my best bet. I'm really excited to play Halo Infinite and watching the test flights this weekend. Well, Dead Captain James, that's fine. You take your time, you spend your time with your family, and whenever you can, you can, and that'll be great. But I will say, I was live all weekend for uh, Halo Infinite. Not to say that you should have been there, but just to say, there will be weekend streams, and there will be more in the future. You know the you know the details. It's twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. We're live every single Monday and Thursday, and sometimes a little bit on weekends. Dude, oh my god, this past week, I'm still exhausted from it. I streamed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, all back to back to back because of Halo Infinite. So five nights in a row streaming. Now we're doing the podcast. It's all good, but oh, there will be weekend streams. Don't you don't you fret, my dear dead Captain James. But I appreciate the support nonetheless. Lightning Extreme on Twitch. Don't forget to follow. We're having a lot of fun over there. There's a new emoji with me. I'm drinking a Mountain Dew. It's it's a fun emoji that people seem to be really enjoying it. We've been playing lots of Halo together as a community, having lots of fun. I keep getting mad at David I305 because he's way better than me. So I lie about why he's better than me to try to feel better about it. It's, it's a whole thing, guys. We're having a great time. Mr. Miggy jumps in and says, I had a chocolate cheesecake. I had, sorry. I had a chocolate cheesecake chips ahoy milkshake from Wawa and I miss it already. I also ate at Chicken Guy 
and I missed that already as well. Also, Orlando traffic is nowhere near as bad as New York traffic, and I and I don't even mean the city. Miami traffic is just as bad, though. Mr. Miggy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just had your trip here to Orlando, so I'm guessing you heeded some of my advice. You went to the Disney Springs and ate at the Chicken Guy. That's awesome, man. Chicken Guy is so good. I would love to know what you ordered if you don't mind me sh- if you don't mind sharing. Now, I've never had one of those milkshakes at Wawa, but I have heard they're really good. So now you got me wanting to wanting to try one, but I, God, there's so many calories I can't fit it into my diet. Anyway. Mr. Miggy, here's the thing about Orlando traffic, and I gotta be really honest with you. Yeah, it's very specific. It's only the I-4 that sucks that much dick. Now, there are patches of shitty traffic here and there, but overall, I, I wouldn't say Orlando traffic is even as bad as it was, you know, when I lived in Atlanta. Atlanta traffic's worse than Orlando. The problem in Orlando is just I-4. It's just that one highway. So, if you were driving the Turnpike, if you were driving the 528, if you were driving the 417, if you were driving the 429, if you were driving any of the highways on the central Florida perimeter, the Orlando area, if you were on the back roads, if you were on the regular roads, you did not hit the traffic I'm referring to. When I'm shitting on the traffic, when I'm complaining about the Florida drivers, when I'm talking about the shitty traffic situation, more than anything, I'm specifically referring to I-4, specifically around the Disney area, the attractions side of I-4. This is the place where people just decide, hey, I see that the posted speed limit is 65 or 75, depending on what section of the highway I'm on, but I'm a fucking idiot, and I've decided that 42 miles an hour is more than sufficient. Like, I'm not even kidding. There are so many times where I'm on I-4, I'll be driving, like, uh, eastbound towards Orlando, and I can see the opposite side of the highway headed west is all completely backed up. But if you pay attention to it, you'll see like it's not like Miami or New York or Atlanta or these other cities we're talking about where it's like bumper to bumper to bumper. It's like two cars bumper to bumper and then like literally 160 fucking yards of just empty space. And then like another car and then... 40 more yards of empty space, and then, like, four more cars bumper to bumper to bumper, and then, like, two billion fucking yards down the road, there are three cars, all of them are in separate lanes, one in each fucking lane, and they're all agreeing mutually to go the same fucking 43 miles an hour, so... No, it's our, it's completely bullshit traffic. There's no reason why we shouldn't be moving at a brisk pace on the highway, but we're all going like 40 because these three dumbass fucking drivers and rental cars all decided to match each other's speed and go the same fucking less than 30 on the speed limit. And, and you can't pass anyone because they're all going the same speed, whether in the whether they're in the passing lane or the middle lane or the exit entrance lane. And no one understands that. The left lane's for passing, the right lane's for getting on and off, and the center lane's for sticking to it. And no one gets that, so they all just do whatever the fuck they want. Oftentimes, the uh, far right lane for exiting and entering is the fastest lane by far for some fucking reason. That's what I'm talking about when I'm complaining about I, the, the the Orlando traffic. So, Mr. Miggy, how much did you ex- experience the I-4? Because that's, that's the real nightmare of traffic and it's not the most frustrating point is it's not even traffic because there's too many people it's traffic because the people choose to drive poorly god it's so bad mr miggy you're making me irate all right i told you it's a short week we only have two more comments here but gaming noob says i also play yakuza with japanese audio and english subtitles 
In Like a Dragon, I was walking to a main mission and stumbled across a random sub-story. A random foreigner, blonde hair, blue-eyed guy like myself, walked up to me and asked in English, Can you help me find the substation? Ichiban is like, What kind of weird language is this? Oh shit, it's English. I just start dying laughing. The game is so great. But apparently, if you play the game in English, Ichiban just turns looks at the player in fourth wall breaks to help him point to the guy in the right direction. That's uh, that's pretty funny. I, I like that anecdote. I just think that's cool. I, I like that. It's like, oh shit, how do we write around that for if the player chooses English as their language? That's, I just wanted to read that because I thought that's a really fun anecdote. I would never know that otherwise because I will never play a Yakuza game in English if I have the option to play it in Japanese. It's just not how you play them. But I do appreciate you sharing that. I do find that very charming, very funny, and very much in the vein and in the spirit of a Yakuza game. So thank you. Gaming noob. See you on the Twitch stream. Just kidding. <laughs> Lethal Migraine rounds out with our final comment and says, I've never tried slash used an Apple product I actually liked since 1986 and Apple Apple 2GS. They suck. Everything they do is mediocre. As for Nintendo, once again, there's been no reason to own any of their trash since the N64. Lethal Migraine, I'm just going to skip the Apple thing because clearly you just have a blind Apple hatred, which is a thing. That's just how tech works it's either you love apple and you blindly hate everything else or you blindly hate apple and you like everything else i noticed that so i'm not even going to try to address your clear blind hatred of, of apple whatever that's your thing lethal migraine but as for your shitting on nintendo i need you to understand i need you to explain this to me because here's the thing as a, as a lifelong nintendo fan as someone who was sucking nintendo's teeth until very recently until past couple years I gotta understand, why, oh why, is the N64 where you draw the line of where Nintendo stopped being good? Why is the Nintendo 64, in your opinion, the last good console rather than the first bad console? Other than, almost definitely, your childhood nostalgia. Because, I mean, if we're just talking from a purely, like, objectional standpoint, the N64 kinda sucked. Kinda sucked. That console aged so poorly. Every console from that era aged poorly. There's a reason why no one gives a shit about the Sega Saturn and the PlayStation 1 in, in terms of like remat like in terms of like going back and hooking up that shit. There's a reason why indie games all look like SNES games. Because that shit was timeless. Because PS3 shit, you know, by the time they got to like PS3 and PS2 and stuff, graphics were so good that like the games were able to hold up visually and things like that. N64 games suck. No one knew how to make a 3D game, and the visuals were disgusting. PS1 games suck. No one knew how to make a 3D game, and the visuals were disgusting. So why the hell is the N64 where you draw the line? Because what you're saying here, it, it, and not only is there that problem of like developers didn't know how to make a proper 3D game back in those days, but also the N64 had such a mind-numbingly small fucking catalog. Yes, there were good games. I'm not going to try to lie to you. Of course, we get it. The original Smash Bros. Mario 64 was such a good game. Legend is all the Ocarina time. I'm not trying to take any of these things away from you. I recognize these are very good games. I agree. There are plenty of N64 games I like. Jet Force Gemini, Winback, Banjo-Kazooie, plenty of fucking games on the N64 I actually like quite a bit. But the thing I don't understand from you here is why do you arbitrarily pick that as the fucking console 
where Nintendo stopped being good afterwards is because the GameCube is so much better. GameCube games actually still hold up today. You can go plug in a GameCube into your TV and play it in 2021, and it will actually still look relatively decent and be pretty fucking fun to play. Way better controller, way better visuals. Developers had a way better concept of how to make a 3D game. You got Luigi's Mansion. You got Mario Sunshine. You got Melee. You got uh, Wind Waker. Those are all better games than the versions of those titles that came before it. You've got Pikmin. You've got Metroid prime you're like are you are you that dense man like what the fuck you t- you got star fox commandos and star fox 60 or star fox uh, um adventure oh my god dude you're actually hurting my brain with this comment because yes the n64 was fucking fine in my opinion n64 is the weakest nintendo console other than actually in my opinion nintendo nintendo 64 is my least favorite nintendo console between that or the switch honestly and but like dude the 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 gamecube is so undeniably better than the n64 like what are you actually saying and then i know it's popular to hate on wii because it was such a casual gamer machine but are you fucking kidding me dude i don't care if your fucking console is a Raspberry Pi with a legitimate dildo as a gaming input. Any console that was the birthplace of Super Mario Galaxy is inherently one of the greatest consoles of all time. End of discussion. Say whatever you fucking want about Nintendo Wii. You are wrong. Say what you fucking want about Nintendo Wii. I will find Donald Trump and make him say that stupid, annoying, obnoxious way he always says wrong to everyone because you are just wrong. Dude, Mario's, Mario Galaxy is a fucking masterpiece. The reason why I could never completely abolish Nintendo from my life, the w- way I can never completely rid myself of my, my Nintendo past is because Super Mario Galaxy is actually a fucking masterpiece of a game. And there are so few... Do you understand how few games you can actually say are a masterpiece? I know IGN has destroyed us all because they go around slinging masterpiece at things like fucking Overwatch. But at the end of the day, there are actual games that are truly masterpieces by definition one of the very few being super mario galaxy so how the hell are you going to tell me the nintendo wii a console that came out two generations after the n64 is trash compared to the fucking nintendo 64 you yoshi story loving motherfucker what are you talking about dude you play mario 64 holy fucking shit who gives a fuck about 4k super mario galaxy running on a fucking 2006 Nintendo Wii on a stupid 480p CRT TV still looks more visually stunning than 99% of the bullshit that releases today. You're gonna fucking tell me that the N64 was amazing or good or whatever and that the Nintendo Wii sucked? Have you ever heard the soundtrack to Mario 64? I'm, I'm guessing you haven't because you would fucking bawl your eyes out. That symphonic OST is so beyond amazing that the only response any fucking human should ever have is I'm going to cry. I need to be alone for a minute because that soundtrack elicits all of the emotions that the human body can possibly bring out. If you do not, if you are not impulsively revealing all of the emotion in your heart after listening to the music from Super Mario Galaxy, after the Rosalina Luma stories in the fucking, in the, in the, in the, in the library scene. Oh my God, you're not human. Let's fucking cut you open, Lethal Migraine. I bet there's so much green blood in there. You fucking alien, you fucking robotic piece of whatever you are. You're fucking telling me the Nintendo 64 with, don't, and don't even let me find out you're one of those people that tries to pretend that gold GoldenEye was a fucking good game when we all know GoldenEye was 
fine when it happened, but was immediately a dated sack of shit that is not even remotely fun to play past the year, like, 2000. Like, oh my... I'm fucking losing my mind, Lethal Migraine. How? How are you saying that, man? Like, you're just hurting my heart. Other than that, I really like the Wii U also, so please be nice to the Wii U. No one was nice to the Wii U. But thank you for writing in Lethal Migraine. You know I appreciate you and love you as always. That's going to do it for our comments and shoutouts this week, you guys. Remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about that, because I already told you about that, you know. Let's talk about what I've been eating. Guys, this isn't so much what I've been eating, but this is what I'm planning on eating. So yeah, I might be talking about this week and next. Who fucking knows? But guys, you may have heard of this little thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite the name, it was actually a 2020 pandemic, not a 2019 pandemic. But holy fuck, they shut down all of Disney World for this thing. So there's this little pizza place at the, the Disney Animal Kingdom theme park. It's a beautiful theme park. I highly recommend you go. Bring the kids if you got them. This place is called Pizza Fari. And what makes it special to me is they sell the Disney pizza that's getting increasingly harder to find. And I love the Pizza Fari. I love the Disney pizza, and so by default, it's a great place. Now, if I'm just going to be an objective person and tell you, you know, like, oh, here's the place you should go take your family and eat at Disney World or at Disney's Animal Kingdom, I'm not going to recommend Pizza Fari. It is overpriced, shitty, cardboard, microwave, theme park pizza. It's not great. To me, it's great. I really love it. I have a really big soft spot for it, so it's a very important thing to me. But, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna recommend you for the quick service to the Satuli Canteen or the Flame Tree Barbecue. If you get if, if you want to spring for a table service experience, I'm going to tell you Tiffin's, go to Tiffin's, or hell, even go to the Rainforest Cafe. But, you know, if you're like me and you like all the food, you like all the theme park trash, I have a very big soft spot for the Pizza Fari. It's very fun in there. It's very fun theming. It's just jungly and just generically uh, Animal Kingdom themed. And they just have the little shitty personal pizzas for 11 bucks. And I love them so much. But the thing is, they did this whole pandemic. I don't know if you guys heard it. The government's making it up. Shh, don't get the vaccine, wink, wink. And so they got they, they did this whole pandemic thing where they shut down the Disney. And... There are still some things that haven't recovered from COVID at Disney World. There's still actually a lot of things that haven't recovered. But we've been slowly on, increasingly on the up and up here in Florida, where over the past few months, Disney's been just be like, okay, this resort's opening again. This restaurant's opening again. This experience is opening again. And it's been very exciting to kind of see things like, wow, it seems like every Tuesday they announce like two new things that are coming back from the dead. Finally, after what has it been? God, fucking it closed in March. Disney closed March 15th, March to April, May, June, July, August. It's been like 17 fucking months since they closed Pizza Safari. But finally, the wait is over. Guys, bring your goddamn family out of hiding. The nuclear holocaust is over and we can rejoice. Pizza Safari is open once again. It opened this past Monday and I was busy streaming and having a day job. So I haven't had the chance to go yet. But you can bet your fucking ass it's all I've been thinking about. Fuck Halo Infinite. Just kidding. Oh my God. This Saturday, my girlfriend and I are going to Animal Kingdom. We're going to go to the Pizza Safari and I couldn't be more excited. And let me tell you why. Not only are all the great dishes back like the chicken caesar salad and the pepperoni personal pizza and the cheese personal pizza all theme park edition all overpriced and all not that great but goddamn do i love them anyway but they have new menu items guys including the chicken parmesan ciabatta bread sandwich served with the side caesar salad as well as and get ready for this the fucking spaghetti and meatballs cupcake. Whoa, hang on, Jesse. Spaghetti and meatballs cupcake. Are you on LSD? Yes, but that's not even the point. The chicken and meatballs fucking, not chicken and meatballs, the meatball and spaghetti 
cupcake. Let me tell you what it is. You might be saying that sounds disgusting, but it's not because it's just a regular vanilla cupcake. But what's on the inside? Well, there's a filling. The filling is cannoli filling. Okay, that sounds fucking awesome. But you said it was spaghetti and meatballs. That's gross. How do you explain that? Shut up. I'm getting there. So the frosting is decorated in a way it's just buttercream frosting but it looks like spaghetti noodles so it's really fun like that okay okay that's really cool jesse thanks for sharing that now do explain how you're gonna get marinara sauce and a meatball on the fucking cupcake well the meatball quote unquote is actually just a chocolate donut hole that looks like a meatball and the marinara sauce it's just cherry sauce they put on top so the presentation appears like a spaghetti and meatball kind of cupcake mess of a thing right but really when you bite into it it's a vanilla cupcake with cannoli frosting shoved in the middle buttercream frosting that looks kind of like spaghetti noodles uh, a chocolate donut hole that looks kind of like a meatball and cherry sauce all on top that looks almost like marinara holy fucking hell jesse that sounds like a really fun dessert to share with a loved one or friend for 6.39 at the pizza fari restaurant disney's animal kingdom theme park at the walt disney world resort in orlando florida well yes it very much is and as you can tell, I'm very excited. I'm so excited. In fact, I'm literally clenching my fucking thigh right now, and I have red marks. Uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I haven't stepped foot in Pizza Safari. If you follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa, you, you'll see that like every two months or so, I'll stop by the Pizza Safari. Disney has a sign outside the restaurant that just says, please, uh, pardon our dust, this location's closed, or please close, something like that. And every fucking time I walk by, I take the same old fucking picture of it, I go onto Twitter and I do the same snarky little like emo lyric from some emo song I used to like that kind of applies to the fact that this place is closed. Send tweet. And I've been doing that for the past fucking year. But finally, no more. Because the next time we get to Pizza Fari, it will be open for business and I'll get me one of them spaghetti and meatball cupcakes along with a pepperoni pizza and a side Caesar salad and a chicken parmesan ciabatta sandwich. You bet your fucking ass I will. And I can't wait. So that's not what I've been eating, but it's what I will, hopefully, fingers crossed, be eating in the coming days. Stay tuned for a full written and verbal and video review. Guys, what I've been playing? Well, we already talked about what I've been playing. Halo Infinite, you big dummy. Well, what about other than Halo Infinite? Well, in all fairness, I did play The Ascent. Remember, that game came out last week. I was really, I've been really excited for The Ascent, but Halo Infinite kind of took all the game's thunder from me. So my brother and I actually played it on stream for a couple hours on Thursday night last week. And my initial impressions were it starts a little slow. I wasn't crazy about the way it started, but visually the game is so, so cool. Very fun cyberpunk game. And f- gameplay-wise, it's fun. It's it, I'm waiting for it to unfold a little more. It was hard to really appreciate it because I was <clears throat> in the back of my head just like, okay, let me into this Halo beta. I'm waiting to download this thing. I'm waiting for my passcode to get into this beta. So I didn't really get to fully appreciate it. But other than that, I, I think it's a fun game. And, and now that the Halo Infinite uh, test flight is over, I'm really excited to get back into it and give it more proper attention and time to, to see what all that game is about. Other than that, so we'll have more on that later. Other than that, I've just been playing some Sonic Mobile games, Master Chief Collection, whatever we're streaming, things like that. So nothing really uh, outstanding or in particular, aside from, of course, Halo Infinite. It was, which was the big thing we talked about for the first 50 minutes of the show. So that's it for what I've been playing. We've already talked about that ad nauseum. And with that out of the way, let's get to our very, very truncated, very short news week. Hit, hit go, baby. All right, our first and only really big story of any consequence is a new development, a new follow-up to the ongoing Blizzard Activision lawsuit bullshit going on because this company is disgusting and can't fucking handle its workplace culture properly to save their lives and now a bunch of 
innocent people have been put in terrible situations over many, many years and are just now having attention brought to the situation. Let's let's just talk about it. latest development from IGN. Blizzard's president, J. Allen uh, Brack, has stepped down shortly after the wider Activision Blizzard was served with a lawsuit alleging widespread discrimination and harassment at the company. Announced on the Blizzard website, Brack will be replaced by co-leaders Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra. Mikey Barra might sound familiar to all you Xbots out there as he was an executive at Xbox for many, many years before leaving in 2019 to go and work at Activision Blizzard. Alongside, or shortly thereafter, Gears of War developer The Coalition's lead, Rod Ferguson, left to go work at Blizzard to eventually work on the StarCraft II remake, which we know is currently in development. O'Neill joined Blizzard back in January, having previously headed Vicarious Visions, uh, which we know got folded into Blizzard because Activision hates fun and said, no more fun games from you, Vicarious Visions. You'll work on Warcraft or Call of Duty or some stupid bullshit. And as I just mentioned, of course, Ibarra joined Blizzard from Xbox back in 2019. As, as relatively recent additions to Blizzard's leadership, it may be that both O'Neill and Ibarra are seen as more detached from the reports of longstanding issues at the company's work practice, sorry, working at the company's working practices, meaning a cleaner and fresher slate for a new foot for the company in which they can separate themselves from this horrid past. Brack's departure comes amid a hugely turbulent two weeks of Activision Blizzard lawsuit with open letters, employee walkouts, public outcry over the company's culture. An Activision investor press release said that Brack is leaving the company to pursue new opportunities. Although, of course, we know the real reason. Brack personally wrote, quote, I'm confident that Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra will provide the leadership Blizzard needs to realize its full potential and will create a pace of change. I anticipate they will do so with passion and enthusiasm and that they can be trusted to lead with the highest levels of integrity and commitment to the components of our culture that make Blizzard so special. Additionally, according to Bloomberg, human resource executive Jesse Meshuk has also left Activision Blizzard. Meshuk, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is the top HR representative at the company and their departure co coincides with a report by Axios detailing ways that Activision Blizzard's HR department have failed to effectively handle harassment complaints. So, a lot has happened in this story since we last fully talked about it in great detail, and I guess it's kind of been hard to go on and off with this constantly, but this is the latest development, and I promise we're going to stay away from the CCP stuff that I've been ranting about a lot lately, because I can tell a lot of you guys are like, hey, come on, man, let's talk about some Xbox. So, out of respect for you guys, we'll keep it strictly relevant to the story. There are two big ways to look at this. Obviously, the more important way, which is in the grand scheme of this very important story where a lot of people have had their lives more or less ruined by this shitty fucking company. And then the more Xbox lens of, hey, this really big Xbox executive, longtime Xbox person is uh, now basically heading and being, being handed the leadership of this division of Activision that's mostly to blame for this awful bullshit. So, since we last really in-depth talked about this, a lot more information talk came out. A lot, a lot of the stuff with uh, Jay Allen Beck and, and the reason why he's being pressured in all this to kind of like act and speak up is because a lot of a lot of the blame started falling on the shoulders of a guy who used to work at, at Blizzard named Alex Afrasibi. I can't I can't say his name right. Afrasi Afrasabi. I, I feel so bad because I'm butchering that the people with that last name's last name. Um, I don't really feel so bad for him because he's kind of a fucking sack of shit. But 
Anyway, Alex uh, was actually let go from Blizzard last fall, and we'll get back to that point in a minute because that's actually important. But basically, the out the what we learned through all this uh, additional news over the past weeks of following the story is that he was responsible during the 2013 BlizzCon for this like penthouse room that they called the Cosby room. And now there's a lot of speculation and banter over why it was called that, but they had a picture of Bill Cosby there. And so a lot of people are like, well, I I can take a guess as to why, but you know, obviously Bill Cosby, a very awful fucking shitty person that for some reason, some people try to defend despite the fact that he is a literal rapist and sex offender and sack of shit who's being released from prison for some reason, but should probably rot there until he dies. This guy is a pretty hated and maligned figure now. And so what makes this really weird is that Alex and his crew of, of cuck boys at Blizzard had a penthouse room during BlizzCon 2013 that they called the Cosby Room, which is where they talked about, like, you know, getting women and kind of like banging them and doing shit in this room. And the really weird thing in all of this is that some screenshots of like private chats from a Facebook group that these individuals were involved in got leaked out over the past week or so. And in these messages, you can see people like people like Alex and other people at uh, Blizzard in a close vicinity talking about banging chicks and shit in this room over the weekend, even though these were a lot of married individuals who had spouses at this event. And he's like, oh man, uh, your biggest mist- your biggest problem is going to be figuring out which one of them you want to marry. And then and then Alex responded in the message saying, marry them. I'm Middle Eastern. I can, uh, I can just marry all of them. And then someone else in the chat was like, I think you misspelled fuck them. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty fucking disgusting. They're talking about taking advantage of people at the event, co-workers and shit like that during this work event. Pretty fucked up shit. So that sparked a whole new level of controversy and outrage, pretty deservedly so. And so fast forward to 2020, where Alex was let go. Well, we actually reported on that story here on Xbox on a lot of news outlets did last year. And we were our our reaction then we didn't know why these people were being let go. But it was very like, oh, shitty Activision letting this guy and all these people go. Why? Just because their project's done and now they, they want to downsize and then give Bobby Kodak a massive bonus. Fuck these greedy bastards. Well, it looks like more likely the reason why Activision let this guy go and others is because they knew they were being investigated at the time and they wanted to cut ties with this guy to help kind of take in the the target off their back a little bit and ease things up for the inevitable blowout that this has turned into be. So that's why that information is relevant there. Um, now, J. Allen Beck plays into all this because he's that he's the president of Blizzard, he's in charge of this, he was aware of this, and at the time it was said that basically his response to most of this bullshit going on was basically like a slap on the wrist to Alex and these other guys, uh, like, oh, you know better than to behave like that, don't do it again, ha ha ha, and it's pretty fucking fucked up, so I think it's totally reasonable and appropriate for J. Allen Beck to be gone, for Jesse Meshuck to be gone, um, HR clearly fucking failed these people. Although I know HR's job is to protect the company, not the employees, unfortunately, but still you fucking failed everyone <laughs> and did a shitty job here in letting this persist and not get addressed sooner. And as president of a blizzard, jail and Beck or our jail and Brock clearly fucked up. And, uh, you know, by doing nothing, absolutely condoned and facilitated this kind of bullshit. Like, I, I I, don't understand any other way to put this. It's like, if you know this kind of shit's happening and your response is like, hey, you're my friend, we're among friends, like, 
let's not let this happen again. Wink, wink. End of this. Right? It's like, well, now you're complacent, and now you're now you're part of this. Like you're you're just as guilty, and you're kind of a shithole or a shithead. So him leaving, I feel no remorse. I don't care if he's trying to do this for, as a goodwill gesture. Like you should fucking be gone. There's just it's just that simple. And so those aspects are good in that regard that we're starting to weed out some of these people. But the real problem, but the other problem is this, this stuff continues to go largely ignored and unaddressed because Activision uh, or a lot of Blizzard and Activision employees staged a walkout last Friday where they had a list of company demands, war- wanting better work culture, wanting better promotional and hiring opportunities for people of color, trans people, women in the workplace, and all these things so they could help make a more fair and equal work environment, which in my opinion, I'm like, hey, that's fair enough, right? Blizzard is a, you know, usually I don't get too involved in this like diversity for the sake of diversity stuff, but I'm like, you know what? This is a this is clearly a place that's been run f- since its inception by a bunch of like you know like f- boys club kind of like older white guys, and they've had the control over this whole thing the whole time, and all this shit's been going on in this company the whole time. It's like yeah, maybe this co- maybe this business really could benefit from like someone less sexually charged like against all the women, like having a a woman in charge or like. Just having a couple different, you know, we learned about a lot of like racist discrimination happening in this company with women like being passed up for jobs and being disciplined, especially for giving quote unquote sass or backtalk and shit like that, or being quote unquote difficult and stuff like that. Usually black employees and things like that. It's like, well, maybe this company could really benefit from some more like black people in charge and some more women in charge and things like that, just to help kind of like represent these people who are clearly being harassed and discriminated against and treated like shit. So my response to that was like, you know, that's a pretty reasonable thing to want in a company like this when that's been the situation. I think I think that that kind of diversity would actually help weed out some of this toxicity and be good for the, the work environment. And that was among their biggest uh, complaint, but among some other things. And basically... Activision's response was like Bobby Kodak had a new apology that was a little more PR, a little more buttoned up. Uh, J. Allen Brack left, but all these demands, all this protesting, all this walking out, this this outcry for more, you know, investment in the HR department and hiring diversity and promotion diversity all just went completely ignored. And so now the employees are really pissed because they're like, of course, you're dealing with this entire lawsuit situation from a how can we save ourselves kind of skin. So, you know, getting rid of someone like Jay Allen Brack and, and Jesse Meshuck and all these guys, this is because it looks good in the news headlines. Hey, we got rid of the bad guy. This guy was complacent. We got rid of him too. Oh, the CEO saying the good thing that makes it sound like they're remorseful, they're, they're remorseful for their further mistakes and things like that. Okay, good news, good press, good this, good that. That's Those are the decisions they're making. But the things that are actually systemic to the work culture here, the things that actually need to change in-house, of course, that's the shit that's just going untouched, unnoticed, unaddressed. And so uh, lots of staff, lots of employees here remain irate, and in my opinion, rightfully so. And so lastly, this leaves us with the whole, well, who's in charge now? Mikey Barra and Jen O'Neill. Jen O'Neill, I'm not familiar with with her at all. Um, but this is this is a nice this is nice in the sense that okay, you got these newer people who come from not Blizzard, uh, who are now kind of leading this. So the good news is it's like oh well, now our leadership are from people who aren't from those old days, who aren't associated with those old people, and these people can help get us on track. But you gotta think like if you're someone like Mikey Barra. <laughs> 
<laughs> previously of Xbox fame, a pretty beloved character in the Xbox fandom. You got to think it's like, do you really want to be associated with this place right now? Do you really want to be in this position? Like if Mike and Barr could have known that this is all that was going to happen to him shortly after leaving Xbox to come at Blizzard, would he have gone here? Like, is this, is this a great situation or an awful situation? Cause now, now he's got power and he's, and he's in charge and he can help turn this around and make this the best thing. You know, he could help address these desires on behalf of the team at Blizzard. He could help try to bring about the change and, and weed out the systemic issues in this work culture and all this shit. And maybe he'll do great and maybe it will be for the better. But also, that this is a huge pile of shit he's found himself stepping into. And same for Jenna O'Neill. But again, I don't know really anything about her past, so it's hard for me to speak about her prior experience. But th- this is a situation of like, yeah, do you, do you leave and try to distance yourself from this when you clearly aren't responsible for some of the shit that happened? Like, do you want to keep yourself distanced from that so this doesn't soil your reputation, your name? Or do you want to take this really delicate, really sensitive situation and try to use it as an opportunity to do right and to do the good, good do right by your, your team and, and help actually build your brand stronger and better than ever before? I think... It's a it's a tricky thing, and I just think it's kind of crazy that of all people, this is where Mikey Barra landed. Um, and it seems like what we've really learned throughout this whole, you know, obviously, probably especially when it comes to like workplace discrimination and harassment towards women and things like that. I feel like that stuff's kind of endemic at pretty much every big workplace, right? Uh, and, and I don't say that as like, a, oh, this isn't a big deal. Like this happens everywhere. I say that as like, oh, that's a very sad fact of life for the most part, but it seems like for the most part, the accusations and all this lawsuit and, 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 and reporting and things that have been, that have been all, all these articles have been tracked for the past couple of years. seems like, it seems like this is almost entirely or largely blizzard related and not general Activision related. So it's not what was happening at call of duty developer, this or call of duty developer that, or, you know, Beanox or whatever, or Raven. This was more so what was happening over at blizzard. Remember they're not at the Activision campus. They're elsewhere. So I don't, I don't say that for any reason other than to say in this case, the onus falls on blizzard, not infinity ward, not Treyarch, but there is someone from Activision more broadly that this this does sh- fall on the shoulders of. And this is the person who hasn't had to take responsibility for it, who probably won't have to take responsibility for it, and who makes me the most upset for not taking responsibility for it. And that is your CEO. That is Bobby Kotick. Because Bobby Kotick has been the CEO of Activision for about 40 fucking years. And they've owned, they've owned Blizzard since 2008. So for over a decade. So the thing is, when it comes to your workplace culture... When it comes to harassment, when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to all these things, yes, we can blame the the HR guy who didn't do his job properly or the asshole developer that was abusive and harassing women at his workplace or the president of his company who didn't do anything about it when he was made aware of the situation. We can blame all these people, try to snuff them out, and try to hold them accountable for the bullshit they did. Absolutely. We can and we should. But... When you're a massive corporation like Activision, the buck doesn't stop with Jesse or Jay Allen or or Alex. It, it doesn't stop with these guys. It stops with your CEO. This is Bobby Kotick. There's no way this man was not aware of any of these things in any way, shape, or form. This is his problem. This is This is the responsibility that needs to fall on his shoulder. And unfortunately, this is the, you know, 
we spent the past few weeks bitching and moaning about communist China. This is where the onus falls on our shitty, greed, money over human rights kind of capitalist society, where it's all about profit, profit, profit. Bobby Kodak brings the money. Look at the numbers from Call of Duty. Look at how much fucking money we're all swimming in. Yes, this is bad. We got to find a way to sweep it on the rug. We got to find a way to get over this really bad publicity that we're facing. But dude, Bobby Kodak has been here. He's the guy who, who came in and saved Activision 40 years ago and has brought it to one of the most lucrative businesses in entertainment. We're not getting rid of Bobby Kotick. And this is an oppor- This is a moment where shareholders need to act morally, not in a way that is beneficial to their wallets or their financial interests. They need to act in a way that is moral, in a way that is right by the victims who were harmed here, in a way that is right to the good people of Activision and Blizzard who work tirelessly to make these fucking games for the general public to play and enjoy, who are harassed, misrepresented, passed up for job promotions, discriminated against, neglected. They go uncelebrated for their hard efforts. And then people like Bobby Bobby Kotick get billions and billions of fucking dollars and get to say shitty things in response to these allegations and then get to come back and make a second attempt because he kind of fucked up the first attempt and then get to be like, oh, don't don't worry, we're getting rid of the bad actors, all right. No, Bobby, you are the worst actor of all here because this is your fucking company. These are your people. You set the precedent for how your culture should be. The buck stops with the CEO. And in this case, I think it's fucked that no one is calling for Bobby Kodak's head here. This is all about... You know, there's, uh, I, I can't, for, there's, God, there's some, ugh, like, PR representative or something that all the liberal games media is going after because she worked on, she worked, in, uh, she was, like, an advisor in the Bush administration in the early 2000s, and then she went to work at Blizzard, and now everyone's trying to, like, go off on her because of, like, some internal memo she sent that was really stupid, mind you, but, like, <laughs> they're all going after her. I'm like, whoa, 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 Again, wrong actor. Like, listen, George Bush was my least favorite, worst president we've had in my lifetime, no doubt about it, but we shouldn't let that political affiliation get in the way of what's really happening here. This is not her problem. This is not PR's problem. It was at one point, but these problems persisted and festered and got worse. It's Bobby Kotick's problem. It is the CEO's problem. He's the one who should pay for this. He's the one who needs to, to suffer or pay a price for all this suffering that's gone on for many, many years under Blizzard. And I wish that was the, the way the story that the, the news outlets were framing this, the IGNs and the Bloombergs and the Kotakus who were all talking about how this woman was affiliated with the Republicans in 2004. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Who fucking cares? We get it. We get it. You have a political agenda here. Forget about that for a second and talk about the real problem because these people who were sexually harassed at work, these people who were just generally harassed at work, these women who were discriminated against for the color of their skin, by their own employer. These people who were passed up for job promotional opportunities so that they could get their bros higher up the ladder instead of these women who worked harder in some instances. In some instances. These are these are the problems and the failings and the wrongdoings of your fucking CEO. Hold that asshole accountable for his company that he's in charge of, that he's failed everyone. Like, I, I don't understand why that's not the narrative. And that, that drives me nuts. But I can promise you one thing, Bobby Kodak's not going to pay the price for this. He's going to get away with murder. He's going to continue to be one of the richest people in the world. Activision's going to continue to be one of the richest companies in the world. They're going to continue to put out Call of Duty, and it's going to sell better than Battlefield 2042, no matter how much some of you out here in this audience really love Battlefield more than Call of Duty. 
and everything's going to go ho-hum, same as it's always been for them. And if we're lucky, things get a little bit better at Blizzard because maybe Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra help set the precedent for a new and better workplace culture. But that's about the best you can hope for because realistically, nothing's really going to fundamentally change. And that's how that story always goes. So very dire, very sad, very, you know, I'm not an expert on any of these things. I try not to get into too many of the legal proceedings and all that because I'd be a fucking liar if I told you even remotely a bit over what I think is going to happen or should happen because I'm stupid, I have a tiny brain, and I don't fucking know. I can barely tell you why Halo Infinite is good Halo, much less, you know, explain the legal proceedings and all that involved in this ongoing story. But that is our only really big story of the week. Yes, it's been that slow of a news week. Uh, We have some smaller news stories as well as some Game Pass updates. So let's just try to lighten the mood with some Game Pass news. So Xbox Wire has announced a slew of new titles hitting our favorite favorite subscription service. Coming soon, uh, beginning with August 5th, so the day you're listening to this podcast, Curse of the Dead Gods comes to cloud console and PC on Game Pass. Dodgeball Academia, cloud console and PC. Katamari Damacy Reroll, cloud console and PC. Luminous Remastered, that's awesome, Cloud Console and PC, I don't know if one of those have ever been on Xbox, anyway, Skate and Skate 3, so 1 and 3, uh, both come into Cloud and Console, August 5th through EA Play, uh, Starmancer, Game Preview, coming to PC on August 5th, then on August 12th, we got Art of Rally, coming to Cloud Console and PC, on August 13th, we've got Hades, coming to Cloud Console and PC, very popular PC and Switch game from last year, uh, and on August 17th, Microsoft Solitaire Collection Premium Edition comes to PC, that's just fucking funny. Now, it's not all good news, of course, there are some games leaving Game Pass, on August 8th, we lose Grand Theft Auto V on Cloud and Console for the second time, on August 15th, we also lose Ape Out, Crossing Soul, Crossing Souls, Darksiders Genesis, which I meant to play more, Don't Starve, Final Fantasy 15, Train Sim World 2020, all those games leaving Game Pass on the 15th, so download them, play them while you can, or buy them at a discount before they're gone. That's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Now let's jump into the important enough news, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not quite important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have a small handful. Our first one being that Xbox revealed a new controller this week called Aqua Shift Controller. The gamepad is named such because it has a stunning blue shifting tone, unlike anything we've ever seen before on an Xbox gamepad. It will be available for 70 bucks when it hits store shelves on August 31st, but pre-orders are live now at most major retailers. Next up, Windows Central reports that GPS application Waze has partnered with Microsoft and 343 Industries to bring the iconic Master Chief and other parts of the Halo universe into Waze. Drivers can set Waze to have the voice of Master Chief or War Chief Eshram provide directions. The app also lets people choose between a warthog or a ghost as their car icon within the app. People can also set Spartan or Alien War Chief moods to show off their loyalty. That's pretty fucking cool. And next up, IGN reports that Marvel's Avengers War for Wakanda expansion starring Black Panther will be released on August 17th, so in just a little bit here, as a free update to all owners of the base game. And lastly, EA is hosting a Battlefield 2042 technical preview that that begins on August 12th and runs to August 16th. Players must be signed up and selected to be in the preview, but an open beta is still planned for sometime in September, so don't fret if this chance is not to be. Also, those that don't get in, also those that do get in will be under NDA. So no fun, no streaming, don't even think about it. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Let's wrap up with our closing segments now. We've got, of course, you know, your favorite. The new game releases of the week. We go over to Windows 
sorry, we go over to Xbox Wire. They tell us all the new games coming out. There's a lot this week. There's a whole 11 new games coming out, so we'll blast through them at supersonic speed. We've got Deadly Days, which is about a school bus that runs over Native Americans, according to this graphic I'm looking at. I'm not trying to be offensive. That's I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be funny. That's literally what it looks like on this picture. Castle of Pixel Skulls DX is a Mario knockoff. Enter Digiton Heart of Corruption is another indie game. Then we got Orballs, August 4th. This looks potentially interesting. Maybe the character art looks atrocious, but it looks like a 3D platformer. So, hey, that's fun. Solos, August 4th. This is circles and triangles. So, these are literally just shapes. It looks like one of those whiteboards that they use at football practice to explain the uh, the plays that they're going to do to win at football. And next is IIN, I think, August 5th. There's some shapes and a green background. I don't know what that's about. Animus Revenant comes out August 6th. There's a guy... That looks kind of like an orcish, knightish elf. Maybe you should play this instead of a Blizzard game. Armed Emeth comes out August 6th. It looks like it wishes it was Final Fantasy circa the 1990s. Rome, the Wilderness Battle Golems in this story of grit and oil. That's what the description says. That sounds pretty gross. Sounds like you play as a BP executive. Bone Marrow Console Edition comes out August 6th. There's a man with very long hair who desperately needs a haircut. And there's a big snake that I would be terrified of if I saw in real life. I'd be mortified. Gorunes comes out August 6th, and there are some blobby-looking characters in that game. No Thing August 6th. It's another game where the characters look like pre-rendered models that um, are not ideal for next-gen, but somehow the game is Xbox One X enhanced, because why the fuck not? And that, guys, you dumb idiots, is going to do for all the new game releases of the week. But hang on, we're not quite done. Almost done. Games with Gold. It's a new month. There's new games. So remember, Darksiders 3, available all month. Ukulele, available August 16th to September 15th. Lost Planet 3, available until August 15th. And lastly, Garu, Mark of the Wolves, available August 16th through the 31st. Pretty solid lineup this month. I, I, I must iterate again. We usually shit on games with gold, but this, this month they got a pretty solid lineup. So definitely want to download those games if you don't already have them but with that said guys we've talked a lot about halo we've talked a lot about a blizzard lawsuit and mikey barra leaving team xbox to go work at the, the bad boy place but with all that out of the way guys i think our podcast is done remember if you guys want to follow the stream support the stream we're over on twitch.com it's twitch not it's not twitch.com don't go to twitch.com it's twitch.tv slash lightning please follow me there we're trying to grow the channel we're having a lot of fun we're playing every monday and thursday nights if you want updates on when the streams going live and all these things you can follow me at twitter at jesse derosa that's where i do all my updates so you can follow that stuff guys it's a lot of fun we're playing halo we're playing we're playing video games we played uh the ascent everyone's having a good time we're playing lots of community halo um but i want to play some other games as well i'm getting ready for some new game releases so we can jump into all that but thank you guys so much for listening as always and until next week power your dreams
Something where I need help. 